Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our 2021 in-house summer revival. We pray that from these teachings, you will be renewed, refreshed, and revitalized in the things of God. Confession of hope. How about that? Anybody like to do that? Say it out loud. Heavenly Father, I thank you. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the healer and the health of my body. Thank you, Father. Jesus was wounded for my transgression, wounded for my iniquity, the chastisement of my peace was upon him. By his stripes, I am healed. Thank you, Lord. You bless my bread. You bless my water. You take all symptoms, all symptoms from the midst of me. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You never leave me. You never forsake me. You're with me always, even until the end of the age. Thank you, Father, for medical grace for the last days in my life. Thank you, Lord. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but power and love. And a sound mind. Thank you, Father. No evil befalls No plan comes by my brother. Angels have charge over me. Thank you, Lord God. You delivered me from the spirit, from the power of darkness. You translated me into the kingdom of your new son. The law of the spirit of life in Christ makes me free from the law of sin and death. I'm the same spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ. From the dead, it abides, it dwells in me, it quickens, it makes alive my mortal body. Therefore, I declare from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, I'm the healed of God in my blood, my bones, in my marrow, in my glands, in my organs, all the way down to the cellular level. God's healing power. It's in my body, energizing, healing, and setting me free. I push back against the cold, against the flu, against the coronaviruses. I push back in Jesus' name and declare I'm as healed as I am saved in Jesus' name. Now shout and thank God for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now, 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 think about this. You know, they tell you about Corona every day. You ought to confess the word every day. I do. Just speaking against the same God in the name of Jesus. I know it four different times the enemy tried to put that on me, and I fought it off all four times. Yeah, it's a fight. Fight a fight. But thank God. And this is, there's something weird to this thing, too. There's a spirit. I've had, I've had two different people, one a pastor that I have a lot of confidence in. And he told me, he said, I'm telling you, Rusty, there's a spirit connected to this thing. And then somebody who doesn't even know that. I mean, I mean, I've been witnessing this individual for about five or six years, but they really don't, I mean, they know God, but they don't know him like we would know him according to the information that we have. But he was in the hospital for six days. And he said, I'm telling you, Rusty, something was in my room. I said, yeah, I know there was. The spirit of a person. Amen. So thank God, listen, if they name it, if they name it, we got a better name. We got a greater name. We got a bigger name. Amen. So just let them go ahead and name it. 
you know, I'm mad, whatever variants I want to, they can, you know, what is Delta, in that, in that a, a, a Greek, a Greek alphabet, uh, alpha, beta, uh, you know, all the different, so it doesn't matter, they can go through the whole Greek alphabet. Now, if you're, if you're suffering symptoms right now in your body, if you've got a headache or you just don't feel it, don't you lift up your hands right now? Just lift up your hands. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we release your healing virtue. Lord, we know it is not your will that anybody sit in this service this morning uncomfortable in their physical body. I rebuke every symptom. Stomach aches, headaches, rashes of any kind, back aches, neck aches, in the name of Jesus, every medication in this country. We speak to you now, we say, Go in Jesus' name. Father, let your healing power work in our bodies right now. I'm doing that, which the enemy has tried to attack us with. And securing in us the victory of God. Thank you, Lord. Now lift your hands and receive Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your healing, Lord Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh God, I found this about the way he does things. He's not near as sensational as he is supernatural. Probably, I don't know, I don't ever try to write miracles or manifestations of God's power and God's ability, but this is outstanding. But the way it happened was, was so uh, nonchalant, innocent. I mean, there was no great meeting going on with the great presence of God. It was a nine o'clock service at Blackwell, which is a college right outside of Dublin, Ireland, in which we were conducting a conference. There about 2,500 people that were attending. So the morning meeting at nine o'clock, there would have been about three or 400 people there. And in the back, the man was sitting and leaning up against the deal. And I got up and had, had my Bible had marked in my Bible where I was going to teach. And I, as I just sat there, I just looked at the guy, pointed at him, and said, You know, so I don't know what's going on with you, but God just told me to tell you God's giving you a brand new heart. Well, what do you think about that? I mean, how do you, I mean, you just give it out and just go into the Word of God, you know, maybe make it as hot more pliable to. Well, anyway, we kept giving this invitation to this church in Colorado, which is on the west coast, Dublin's on the east side. And so, for a couple of years, we didn't pay much attention to it because we got a lot of invitations and I would not do But finally, uh, uh, we made a decision because it was conducive to a schedule uh, to go over there and, you know, a new church and, and we're involved in the move of God in that entire nation. So, yeah, we, so the guy picked me up. I rode the train from Dublin to Cologne, a beautiful train ride. And uh, uh, he picked me up and he drove for maybe 10 or 12 minutes and he says, You don't know who I am, do you? And I said, I said, no, I better, I'm sorry. He says, I was the guy sitting in the chair when you got up at the preach and said God's going to give someone a brand new home three or four years ago. What do you remember that? I said, I don't remember that. He said, I was scheduled for a heart transplant. I got my attention. Amen. He said, I went back for a, for a, you know, how they do these preparatory things and to get you uh, going down the road toward it. He said, uh, they came in and examined me. 
And then next thing I know, several doctors came in. He said, I was only supposed to be there for like an hour. I ended up for eight hours. And after those eight hours, they came in and they asked me, who are you? And I said, well, you've been lying. You've been shaking all night. He says, well, we got an X-ray here. One with a, a disease talk to eat it. And now we got one with a brand new heart. We got a brand new heart. Now, that gentleman just went on to be with the Lord uh, maybe two years ago in his late 80s. I believe he got a brand new heart. Doctor said he did. Well, it was not some sensational, God, brand new nothing like that. Just a simple word. God's going to give you a brand new heart. They're just going with the meeting. That shows you God is more interested in the supernatural. Then he is in the sensation. So thank God for the supernatural. Look at him one more time. Father, we thank you for your supernatural power in our midst. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, you're so smart. You don't have to make a heart. You can make an eyeball. You can do anything, Lord. And we ask you that you imparted to us the faith to believe that. Jesus, Lord. Everyone says, Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. Good to see people. I told somebody earlier, it's a miracle. People come to church on Saturday morning and God <laughs> We're in the day. I mean, we're not in the day of miracles. We serve the God of miracles. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's start this morning. We've got, we got a couple of people we want to hear from this morning, some things we want to do. So I want, first of all, uh, uh, Brother Josh Penn. I've asked him to come up and share maybe oh, five, ten minutes, whatever he's got on his heart or in his spirit. Now, he, for you that don't know who he is, he works with our youth, he works with young adults, and basically, just like everybody else around here, does whatever we want to do. Amen? I mean, you know, we're not, we're none of us are specialists. We, I like to say it like this at Island Church. All of us, everybody say all of us, we can plow, plant, and hoe. Did you get that? Plow, plow, or hoe. And whatever it takes, we can do it. Amen? So, Brother Josh, come real quick if you will. I've got a mic for you. Give him a big hand clap. Let's get the turn on. There you go, buddy. All right. Hey. There you are. Hey, God, how's everybody doing? Yeah, good. As Pastor said, I work with the youth here at the church. Uh, where are you, Sissy? You guys stand up for a second? JD, yeah, it's you, CJ. Come on, Joe. Give me a hand. Give me a hand. These kids are amazing. Thanks, guys. I mean, just being with them encourages me, honestly. Uh, with what they're doing with them in schools, how they're witnessing with their friends. I mean, it kind of, you just see the stories that they come back with. And I'm like, man, I was afraid of just talking to the person at work. You know, and they're over there like, hey, what, what do you know about Jesus? Let's, let's talk about this. So, it, they're, they're, they're super encouraging. And uh, if you see them, just give them a high five or something. Uh, but, anyways, well, I wanted to share a quick testimony with you guys. I only got about 10 minutes, so we talk kind of fast, so keep up. But um, it's, it's, it's an instant testimony. It just happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, so, Elise, my sister in law, she's over there. Maybe Elise. At least, uh, she, um, she's been growing in her faith here in the past year. Um, started coming to church with us. She lives with us now. She just got uh, engaged. Um, yeah, it's it's very exciting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, growing in her faith, coming to the church. They, they, Kayla and her actually grew up with a, uh, a denominational background. And so there's a little bit of legalism, I'm not going to say what it was, but um, coming here was definitely strong. That's for sure. Get baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. I mean, after you know, growing up thinking that stuff wasn't right or the devil or whatever. I mean, coming here, God's just doing things. And so, 
Uh, the first time for Kate Tyson, right? So, um, anyways, uh, yeah, she's been going in faith in the past year. She's got a job where uh, she works. She's an environmental scientist, I think. And so she does a lot of, like, uh, physical oil or something like that. She's only seen many tests and things like that. So she's been living with us because she travels quite a bit. Um, but uh, her fiancé lives in another town, and he's, he's working, too. So they're... She's been going through a lot here just recently, but um, what's awesome about her is uh, being so new in her faith, um, she keeps a whole glory to God. I mean, that's awesome. Because she, I mean, here in the past, you lost what, eight pounds, 15 pounds, something like that. And I mean, making all these lifestyle changes, got some of the stuff in her relationship with her boyfriend, or I'm sorry, fiance. And, um, you know, if you talk, talk to her for five minutes, if you want to be encouraged, because it's just so, yeah, everything's, it's, it's been the best year of my life. And, the only way I can explain it is because it got me closer to him. That's it. And so, um, just recently, she had a, uh, I'll get to the testimony. So, just recently, she had a, a long day of work. I think it was like 10 hours or something like that. She was 16, okay. And she was coming home, and, uh, you know, just recently, she's been dealing with, you know, you have ups and downs, right? And, and, and thank God for God, because he gets you through the downs and pulls you back to your life. But, she was in a situation where, you know, she's, she's getting engaged. She's figuring out, you know, they both have different jobs. She's trying to figure out where they're going to live, where this guy was. Someone's going to have to change professions at some point. I mean, somebody's got to give. There's a little bit of tension there. And um, what she's learned here is we all have is who do you lean on? You lean on a guy, especially in those situations. And so she, uh, she was driving home one day. You can expect, I mean, she... She was also telling us about how, you know, sharing her faith at work is not necessarily the easiest thing to do, um, especially when, you know, half of them think you're crazy and the other half just are halfway believers, I guess. And so um, she just had a stressful day, and she chose to worship God. She cranked up the praise and worship music. She was just in the spirit singing and enjoying herself coming home. And um, you want to hear from God, you need to worship. I mean, really, if you, if you want to hear him crystal clear, you need to worship. So she's driving home, and she's at a stoplight a couple blocks from the house. She sees, you know, just a quick glance. She looks over, there's a gas station, there's a guy. Uh, he's got his hood up, he's working on the car. And um, she just kind of quick glance, and then keeps moving, right? And sure enough, God blesses on her heart, I need to go back and help her. And she thinks to herself, okay, I'm just going to going home, you know, maybe that wouldn't go. And so she, she hits another stoplight, and he says, again, you need to go back and help her. And, of course, I mean, it's, you know, she, 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 she has a moment where she can either step out of faith or back out of fear, right? And so she sits there, and she says, okay, uh, I know that was you, so I'm going to turn around. So she turns the car around. Mind you, 16-hour day, just praising and worshiping God. She gets told to do something. She goes up to the gas station. She pulls up to the pump right next to him. And what happens? Okay, Lord, I'm pretty sure that's you. And I'm scared right now. And, you know, it, 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 a lot of things come to mind. And here's another opportunity. So she's already turned around. That's one step in faith. And she's parked next to him at the pump. And she's just sitting there. Uh, it's your faith at that moment, right? So she says, God, I'm scared with this. You know, what about you know, he, it was a big guy, he's got tattoos, breath-looking guy, right? You know, I'm a small little girl, like five one, like, what, what could happen, right? And he says to her, why do I send you anywhere and I protect you? I mean, hey, man, that's huge. And so she says, okay, Lord. <laughs> so she gets out the car, she goes up to him, and she's, she's shaking, right? Goes up to him and says, hey, I don't know anything about Christ. 
But I believe that God sent me here to help you. So in any way that I can, how can I help you? And he looks at him, he gets up from him, kind of looks at him, and just starts weeping, sobbing, weeping. I don't notice anything, so I might have him up here. But then she starts crying. And you have two people at 1030 at night crying at a gas station over a hood, just staring at each other, weeping, right? But glory to God, right? So he says, well, I've had a long day at work. I've been here since, you know, three, four, five, so hours. And he said, and, and, and the truck, I mean, he's, he's skilled with his hands. You know, he, he, uh, he, he's a contractor. He's, he's trying to fix it. a fan at the front, and I guess he generates some screws in there. But the screws keep hitting the fan, so the fan falls off every time he drives more than 10 feet. So he's like, I just need bolt cutters. I don't have bolt cutters. That's all I need. And so she's like, well, I'm going to go home. I'm going to check my brother-in-law. We're going to grab some tools. We'll be right back. We're just up the street. He says, okay. So she comes home and, and, and she tells me um, all of these things. And I'm it's 1030. I didn't blame my mom. You know, so she comes home. She's like, you need to get up. But I'm like, is this like actually like, are you telling me? Or is this like a trip? She's like, no, you need to get up. She tells me everything. And I'm like, yeah, I need to go. So, so we grab all the tools that we could find. Um, we head up to the gas station. And um, I meet him. And he's like, yeah. And, and, and of course, so on the way there, we're praying. And we say, Lord, you know, we don't know if we have the right tools, but clearly we have a tool for a reason. So um, it's for your good. Uh, so whether or not we have the tools or not, we're going to go. Um, we're going to help this guy because this is how you position it. You're a purpose supernaturally. So we we, uh, we get there, and sure enough, he goes through all the tools. I got a little bag and a whole bunch of tools, and he goes through every single one. No, that's not No, that's not good. You, you have both cutters? I said, oh, of course not. That's the one thing we need that we don't have them. And so um, we. We uh, just continue to bust around there for no reason. And sure enough, and he says, well, let's go in the gas station. Maybe the uh, maybe they have something there. It's 24 hours. So thank God. We, we go, they go in there, and I'm out here acting like I know what I'm doing, looking at the car. Because I'm going to be doing cars. But she, uh, they go in there, and um, they're talking to the lady behind her. She didn't have anything like bolt cutters. Or they were talking about like a, like a generator or something, just an extension cord, because you might have the right tool. And the guy walks in, and he overhears bolt cutters. And he says, oh, I have bolt cutters in my trail. So imagine that at that moment, right? Look how many look how many steps of faith they had to take place, right? Because he could have said, oh, bolt cutters, it's late. I'm going home. They'll find it, right? And so he says, I have bolt cutters in my trail. You get the bolt cutters, the trail, what happens? Boom, boom, boom. Everything's good to go. The car gets set up. Um, and, and then in that moment, you know, I get convicted. I'm like, well, we can't leave. And then we talk about Jesus and then pray for this guy. That's, that, that's what we're here for. And so uh, everything works out. He's, he's got, it's going to take a minute for him to put everything back. And I said, well, at least when I drove here, um, well, first off, I said, hey, man, you know, all this went down, right? And she approached me initially saying that God brought her here. And now we're here. What's going on in your life? You know, how can we pray for you? What's up? So he never starts crying again. He just starts weeping. He says, I'll be honest with you. I haven't cried this much in years. In the next 30 minutes. And he's, and he's like, I just, I, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. He, he was, you know, he was a little uh, nervous to share because, you know, it was a ghost, right? So I said, well, what's going on? Are you, are you dealing with some things? I mean, I'm a contractor. I work hard. You know, I, it's, it's not the money, but, I mean, right now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm late on some payments. He's staying at a motel, right? And he, he's late on some payments. He's like, I said, how much? He said, about 300 bucks. And I said, okay. Um, how much is about a week's worth? It's about 300 bucks. I said, okay. 
I'll tell you what, I didn't take any sound procedure on that one day tomorrow. I'll come back, I'll go to my truck, and we'll pray together, we'll talk for a bit, okay? He said, all right, it's going to take me about 30 minutes to put everything back together. So we go home, and uh, on the way home, I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, you, know, you, can't, you can't be the starving nation on good intentions, right? Jesus said, you know, if, you, if someone comes up to say I'm hungry, you know, say, oh, you feel, be blessed, you know, you got to give them something to eat. And so I was like, Lord, Oh, I gotta give something. I said, How much? And he said, All of it. And I said, Six hundred bucks. And he said, All of it. I said, Okay. <laughs> and so on the way home, we're driving the car, Lisa's sitting next to me, and I said, Yeah, um, I think God wants me to give me six hundred bucks. And she was like, I wanna do it. I said, What? She said, I'll do that. And which I don't know about Elise's, here in the last year, she's been growing in her faith, right? And one of the first things you have to learn at church, right, is provision, time, offering, giving, right? Seek the, seek the kingdom first, all these things will be added on you. If you don't understand provision, it's going to be really hard to understand how to pray. And so, uh, just a couple months ago, a few months ago, I think she started tithing. So, uh, and that was hard for her um, to, to come to that revelation, right, as it is for many people. And so, this point, this, now we're talking over the time, because she's a faithful type, but God, God's trying to take it to another level. And um, she said, I'll do it. And I said, uh, okay. I was like, why would you have and have for what not? I don't want to do it. And I was like, oh, and it, and it, and it just hit me. She's trying to go to John's stronghold. The guy's using that. And, and the stronghold wasn't just finances, whatever. It turns out <laughs> the same problems that the guy was going through, she was too. What's going to happen right now? How, where am I going to live? What, 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 am I, what am I doing about career trip? So she saw that and hit her. And I was like, well, I can't touch that. <laughs> so we get home and, and uh, we see starts taking checks and free reds to folding because you know, now I'm starting to freak out a little bit, right? And so I'm like, give me, give me one minute. And so I just we'll walk over to the other side of the room. I just start putting some more. Is it six hundred bucks? Is it six hundred? Yeah. And I said, okay. I was like, yeah, it's six hundred. And she said something that was awesome. <laughs> but most of said, I trust you and I trust God. So I'm not going to hesitate. And um, so enough, I drive back, I pass the check, I get some gas, I talk to him for a little bit, and uh, I, I, I pull up the cash and say, I'm nice to do this. I said, I know, but you don't understand, we get to do this. This is way bigger than just this. And so, and he's like, no, I just met you. And I said, I know, that's the point. And so uh, I pray with him, and, and uh, you ever, so you guys obviously praying, you know, they doesn't pray, right? So you ever been praying, all of a sudden, you know, you're comfortable, like, 77, 78 degrees. And all of a sudden, it kicks up to like 108. I'm praying for this guy, and all of a sudden, I, you know, I'm laying hands on him, and, and, and it's moving all of a sudden. Things just start coming out. And, uh, and I can tell you, know, there's just things in this life that were demonic. And I, I found out later that his brother was a pastor. I found out later that, yeah, that he, he just been through a whole bunch. And so, but as I'm praying for him, it's hilarious. I'm like, in the heathen, are you born again? He's like, yes, I am. He's just crying. And you know, he's talking about prayer. I said, you pray in tongues? He said, what? I said, sit up on that thing. I get a minute. I'm just praying for him. And he's just, by the end of it, these things are lifted off of him. He's leaning on the side of the truck, just like dry heaving and crying. And he's like, you can't stop crying. And I'm like, let it out, man. That's that stuff being lifted off of you. He looks at me. He says, nobody's ever praying for me like that before. I said, me neither. Oh, it's wonderful. By the end of it, um, you know, uh, we, we talked about a lot of things that I'm not going to say that he, what's going on in his life. And, um, 
couple days later, I get a call from him, and, and, um, and he says, uh, he says, you know, it's crazy. So we talked a little bit about like influences at work, and you know, being around a certain crowd of people, and how hard it is to um, to stay in the face sometimes. And also, you know, sometimes the environment can affect you, right? So he was that night. He was like, well, because he talks to the Lord. He said, Lord, uh, it's going to be tough. Like with work, what am I going to do? And, and the next day, he gets a call from his boss. He got a new project today, new crew. He's like, okay, sweet. So he goes to, uh, and sure enough, this is awesome, but um, he gets to the job site, and it's a church. He's building a church. And I said, well, praise God, no wonder all this happened. You're building a house of God. The devil hates that, right? And so, uh, and, and, um, and this is the best part. Kind of so I know, right? So this is the best part. So, um, a couple days later, you know, and, and, and just in that moment, I'll explain, but in my conversation with Elise, you know, um, finances were, were a stronghold, and then they weren't. And then I, was, I asked her, I was like, well, how did you feel like when you cut the check? And she said, peace. Honestly, peace. She was like, it's, I never thought twice about it. She gave this illustration that was unbelievable. But she said, it's like uh, I was looking, I had a flashlight on, right? And I was in a pitch black room. And at the end of that flashlight was the, was the, you know, illuminate, illumination on the wall or whatever, right? And, and she said, I stayed focused on that. Even though things were trying to come through my field of vision, I never took the flashlight away from the Word, from the, from the word of God, right? That was all of her needs. That was far better to give than receive. She stayed on the promise that day. And she said, after that, I was just flashing through. I mean, it was just, that was it. It was peaceful. And, and you know, after a couple of days, at work, um, she, she comes home, right? Another long day. And, um, of course, I'm in bed. <laughs> she says, uh, hey, wake up. And I'm like, no. no dude, I lost so much sleep the other night. She said, wake up. And I said, are you seriously telling me to wake up? Or is this? She's like, get up. I said, all right. So I get up. She comes up. She said, I was just waiting to stay with you guys. I said, what's going on? She said, well, um, I was at work earlier today, and she just received a promotion, uh, I guess, like a month or two ago or whatever. And um, they call her just randomly right before lunch, and she, uh, they say, look, you know, we're really sorry, but something happened with her work. There's a few discrepancies, but, you know, uh, we, we fixed it. You got your promotion. It's on paper. And you're not so relaxed around the page like this time, too. She's still okay, cool. And she just kind of um, brushes it off, right? Has lunch, goes about a day, whatever. And then, you know, before she comes home, uh, she, she hops in the car, she pulls up her, her statement and take it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a regular check. Uh, so it's got, like, you know, the, it's itemized. It's got the regular pay, the ducks, and things like that. It's very, very bad. It says miscellaneous. That's how much it was. 600 bucks. To the dot. On the dot. And it's, I mean, you can't make that up. It's <laughs> How do you, I don't understand how people can believe in coincidences. Because we could have given 599, 598, 20 bucks. We could have said whatever. But the, what I want to leave you guys with is it took a bunch of different little acts of faith, right? Tiny little ones. And then the big test came. Hey, are you going to give this guy 600 bucks? Right? But it, but it all started with, what's going on with that really? And the bolt cutters. Like, it started the bolt cutters. So, I believe that as a body, as a church, I mean, each of us plays our part. Where do we see it now? Like this, the guy with the bull cutters, I'm just using his as an example. You think he knows any of this? He might not, right? But he's just, I just love him. I love bull cutters. No one home anyways. 
But praise God, look at the testimony that we get from you. I mean, this is all, God, look at God, you guys, right? So, amen, that's pretty much all I wanted to share with you. But amen. Well, we're going to do a couple of things. I'm going to ask in just a moment. I'm going to ask Miss Bulls to come and share for 10, 10 minutes or so. Praise God. Uh, you, um, in just a minute, you can come. Miss Linda gave me her notes. Well, that was dumb. I'm just going to put my name on them and fix them. <laughs> She's got some great notes on them. So we're going to get her here on a Wednesday night here in the next few weeks. We'll get her to come teach on that. It's a, something entitled Blind Spots. I read it this morning. It's excellent. Very, very good. Very excellent. But Miss Doris works as a secretary and whatever else we need her to do. Amen. And I know her and her mom and family have been involved in ministry for many years. So I ask her uh, just to come share for a few moments here this morning. Then I've got something by the Holy Ghost I want to share with you this morning. And I believe God will do something powerful. But in the meantime, Miss Doris, give her a hand clap. She's such a blessing around here. There you go. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. You are a blessing for me. So, you know, I thank God with being surrounded in the house of God. We don't get no fluff. We get some stuff. And, you know, in order to have a testimony, you got to get hey, the word of God is stuff. That's some good stuff here. You know, and, and I thank God for the word that goes out. We are all uh, without excuse. I'm not preaching. I just want to exhort you a little bit. We all without excuse for not speaking the word of God. Standing on the word of God, so when storms come in your life, you can stand having done all the stand. My testimony: My mother had a stroke on August thirty first, two thousand eighteen. That was my off day. That was on a Friday. I was in my bed asleep. I was minding my own business. We had a provider that comes in and do the necessary thing they need to do for her. Well, she called me on my phone and she says, "Doris." Mama kind of sounds strange. I said, what do you mean? She don't know who I am. She don't. I'm coming. And by the way, he had prayed and he was trying to take me a nap after taking the girls to school. So when I came down and I observed her, I went, okay, did you take your medicine? And she just looked at me and she says, I don't know. So I told the provider, look behind her and see if her medicine is. And she says, no, she didn't take it. I said, let's get a blood pressure. So we got a blood pressure. It was 200 over 125. I said, take these meds in Jesus' name. I said, open your mouth. <laughs> I wanted to make sure her tongue wasn't, you know, blocking any passageway. So I said, let's take this now in Jesus' name. And then after she take it, I said, now what are we going to do? I'm going to call an ambulance to get you checked out. There's no wrong with me. I said, oh, yes, it is. And you don't understand my mother. She has this charisma. If she could, she could sell you the Gulf of Mexico and you would believe her. She was good at convincing and preaching the word of God. So I'm like, no. And then so she decides to say, well, hey, who vote that I don't go to the hospital? I said, no one's voting here. You don't even have a vote. You're going. Okay? We know that you are here. She says, I am healed. I said, that's right. So we're going. And so as, we, as time progressed and we, we were there, we were there for hours. And so I began to speak the word of God over her. And as time progressed, she began to echo her strength. 
I begin to listen to how she talks to the doctor. So she says, you know, I'm a mathematician. I said, oh boy, here we go. And then he said, you are? He said, what's a hundred times a hundred? And normally she would be able to tell you what that is. She said, two. This is bold. And I cracked up laughing. And I knew it wasn't a state of, of making fun, but it was just some of the things she was saying. And the good thing about the word of me and the joy of the Lord, because I could have just cried. And so instead of crying, I'm laughing at the devil. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just crazy. So he said, well, what's one plus one? She says, one thousand. And I was no good. And I'm trying to stand by her side. I'm trying to be serious and so I can hear what they're saying. And one thousand two hundred and fifty. I'm going, oh, I say, okay. So the doctors were like, okay, say, so what we're going to do is give us something to reverse it. In the meantime, I'm speaking the word over her, and I'm speaking life to her, and they give you the report, and they say, hey, now you have a small blood clot that was in a small artery of your right brain, and so he says, nothing major, and so he said, you're, you're going to be fine, we're going to give you something, and I said, okay, in the meantime, we're going to say what the word of God said. And my mother was like in agreement, so she began to say, I'm a fighter. I said, You see him. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And so when they got us to another room, it was kind of, I see you. I said, I'm like, Devil, I see you. But I see you. You know, my eyes on you. I see you because you're going to see you. And you know what? And the thought came to me. The devil and his enemies had to operate on him because he was mad because we were speaking the word. We put the devil in cardiac arrest. I'm like, you ain't winning nothing here. Not here. You are all not here. The word of God prevails in us. We shall not be afraid. That's one of my scriptures. Scripture, famous scriptures I used to stand on. I shall not be afraid of evil times. For my heart is fixed. It is steadfast. And I'm trusting in the Lord. I wasn't moved by what I see. I wasn't moved by what I was hearing. All that word I was taught, it began to rise up out of me. And so, whatever storm that you may face, just remember what the word says. What pastor preaches all the time, turn the light, the switch on, the switch of faith. Once you turn that on, which is the word of God, you begin to open your Bible, that's turning that switch on. It just begins to ignite you. You go, hey, I feel rejuvenated. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hey, I'm not looking at, well, I look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. But the things that are seen are temporal. The things, hey, it excited me. So they began to look at me and they wasn't understanding why I wasn't crying. Why should I? Why should I? The word says stand, haven't done all the stand, stand. So the word was activated. So again, we're without excuse. I knew that whatever decision that I make in my life, that was going to be the outcome. I had children. I had a mom. My whole life has changed. So I began to say, hey, God, so I go with the flow. You in charge, I'm fine. Whatever you're telling me to do, I'm going to do it. And I know you're going to give me the grace to do. As time progressed, you know, she began to feed herself negative words. And I'm like, she shouldn't be where she is today. What's going on here? I'm trying to come here. You wasn't as bad. Why is she making it seem like it's so hard and so bad? She began to, like, be resistant and come in the church. You need that. That's how you're going to get here. 
and I would preach to her. And then when Pastor told me he had a word for her, he never told me what it was. But everything he said to her, she got it right back. And then I began to see the tide of the battle begin to turn. I stood my ground. I said, Devil, you're not going to have her. She's not done. You can't have her. You can't touch this. The blood of Jesus is her mix. And so I began to keep standing, keep encouraging her. She wouldn't keep the TV on anything positive. And I would come home preach to her. What is this doing for you? How's it going? I don't see how you could do that. How could you watch this? You need God. You need to have your healing manifested. You need the word. And I begin to bring her up to pass what she used to do. And say, when Poppy was ill, you had scriptures all around the house. Nobody could touch their TV. So what's going on with you? Why are we fighting for this? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get some scriptures and I'm going to put it around the house. And I'm going to go turn her TV. When she go to sleep, when she wake up, what does she turn my TV? Because you need the word. You need the word. And it's still fast on that. Me and the girls are praying for honesty and everyone is staying firm on the word of God. That our brains function in the full capacity of which God has created it to do. And I wasn't moved by any of that. I wasn't moved by her behavior. It's okay. I'm going to another age where she's 79. I'm like, oh boy, is this a transition here? What is this? And it's like every decade, something else going on. And I'm going, oh Lord. Okay, she's getting older. She's getting old. Some of these girls, she's getting old. She's getting old. I said, overlook that. I understand it's hard, but we're going to get through it, okay? Just overlook it. She's not normal right now. <laughs> I know she's probably watching, but. <laughs> When she, I would say she went to some sort of boot camp with my cousin because she was trying to help and we just getting her to a rehab. And I would always tell her pastor, you know, your pastor's concerned about you just laying here that you could get a blood clot, which I've been trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, okay. Well, you got to go to rehab, okay? You can't lay here because if you lay here, you're going to die. So anyway, make a long story short, she went. We got rejuvenated. And I said, no, that was a total different environment. How did you feel? Oh, I'm going to church. He was working. He never stopped working. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so when she came in, and she came here, Ooh, I was so glad. And I asked her, went on to the back when it was a one, it was a fire going up on the pastor. And I asked her, I said, man, you want to come and get paid for it? I'm good. Okay, so me and the girls came up. And oh boy, when I saw Pastor turn around in the corner, I said, Woo! You're going to come up to God, but God will come down to you. <laughs> I'm like, Shit, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and you know what? She has not been the, been the same ever since that word said, Wake up, wake up. That whole afternoon while we was waiting on the cab for about an hour and a half. She keeps saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. She said, I said, mama, wake up. And today, she was like, ooh, sure you tell Pastor. I am a wife. 
something has happened. When I come home, the TV is on Jesus. Hey! <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You're on your way to recovery. So thank God for restoring and repairing, and she's on her way now in Jesus' name. But you know, these testimonies are good to help you see everybody goes through this stuff, church. Everybody goes through these things. Struggling with giving or uh, parents being, uh, uh, you know, we thought we were going to lose dad a couple of months ago. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, well, I ain't going to back sick. I said, well, praise God, we didn't get in faith with that. I said, where is he faith? He says, well, I one day I just want to lay down, shut my eyes on earth and open my eyes in heaven. I said, man, we can get in faith over there. Listen, we fight for for the babies in the womb, for, for, for our old people, for, for our elders. We don't, listen, we stand on the word till we step into heaven. Amen? We fight that fight of faith. Glory to God. Quickly, let me lay this on my heart. To do this, and I said, I'm going to do this. This is a uh, message. You can turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 22. This is a message that I just, it really impacted my life years ago. And I have, I've not preached it many times. I've not, it's not, it's not long. It's very, it's very quick. It's very short. A man came to our church, the church we were attending. His name was Savelle Phillips. Has anybody ever heard of Savelle Phillips? Savelle and Lovey. They're just a beautiful couple. They built a huge uh, a church in San Diego, California. Church, from what I heard, is about 5,000 in the church. And then one day, just said, we're going. And we're going to the mission field. And they turned the church over to a, to a, to a younger pastor. And uh, both uh, 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 Brother Phillips and his wife went to the mission field at about age 60. And uh, God blessed them. I think they did orphanages and uh, all kinds of things like that. But he was, we were in a conference with him, and uh, things went on. You know how a meeting can go, and it just kind of goes on and on and on. As well as meetings, not like today, with things that edify you. Yeah, this, this, you know, in the locker, it was edifying. It was just kind of one of those meetings where you're like, all right, you know, we got all the praises sung, we got the offering picked up. You know, praise God. Maybe if Waterbugger's still it. He got up and preached for about 15 minutes. One of the most profound messages I've ever heard. And I don't know how many in that, there was probably a thousand people there that day. I don't know how many it impacted, but it greatly impacted my life. Because there are certain words that you can, you know, you can sit here in church for a year. And, you know, feed on the word and, 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 and feed yourself the word. But I'm telling you, when you sit in a service where there's an anointing where the Spirit of God is moving, God can give you a rainbow word that will change your life. Now, this is a familiar story. I'm going to read it two translations so that we can really get the, the gist of it. Let me begin first in, in the King James. This is going to be Luke chapter 22. We're going to begin in verse, uh, let's begin in verse 47. That's a good place. It says, And while yet spake, speaking of Jesus, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before him, and they drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man uh, with a kiss? And when they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote uh, the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, 
suffer ye this far, suffer ye thus far, and he touched his ear and he healed him. Now let's see, let me read that in, in uh, I like it in the, in the uh, Passion Bible, beginning in verse 47. It says, No sooner had he finished speaking, when suddenly a mob approached, and right in front of the mob was the disciple Judas. He walked up close to Jesus and greeted him with a kiss. For he agreed to give the religious leaders a sign saying, The one that a kiss is the one to seize. And Jesus looked at him with sorrow and said, A kiss, Judas? Are you really going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And the other disciples understood what was happening. They asked the Lord, Should we fight them with our swords? Just then one of the disciples swung his sword at the high priest's servant and slashed off his right ear. Jesus stopped the incident for that escalating any further by shouting, Stop! That's enough! Then he touched the right ear of the injured man, the injured man's head, and the ear grew back, and he was healed. And there's a little footnote there in this Bible, which is a study Bible. And you go down and you read the footnote. Listen to this footnote. The last thing Jesus did before they tied him down with his beautiful hands to arrest him in the center. He used his healing, healing hands to restore the cut-off ear that Peter slashed. Then he was bound for hours until they loosed his hands one more time and they pierced it with nails. Now, can you imagine tying the hands of Jesus? In this scripture, as Dr. Phillips taught that night, he began to talk about the mistake that Peter made. We know that the, the man doing the, the cutting was Peter, the apostle, the disciple at the time. And the man whose ear was cut off, the high priest of, of, excuse me, the servant of the high priest, who would have been one of the guards, his name was Malchus. And so we know the story of how all of this happened. But then the greatest story is the story of the miracle that Jesus performed. And it's not really the physical, that is a, a, a tremendous physical miracle to take a severed ear and stick it back on a man's head. I mean, that's, you know, right there, I guess if I had been one of the, one of the same even I'd have thought, well, this guy ain't a regular guy. I mean, we really doing the right thing by hanging him on the cross, amen? But anyway, it was the residual effect down through the portal of time that I guarantee you, people could not see that Jesus could see it. And he knew that a severed ear from a servant of the high priest was going to cause trouble down the road. It was going to be a problem down the road, especially for one of his key apostles, someone who would step out of the discipleship stage of his life and into the apostolic ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ through a, through a very supernatural gift that Jesus performed in John chapter 20 by restoring Peter after his denial. But the denial... Was, was, was before the demand was the cut off ear. Now, can you imagine how that cut off ear had the potential to testify against Peter his whole life? Because there could have been an individual, this man could have ended up in the church in Jerusalem, he could have ended up as, as, as the Jews were scattered in 70 AD after the uh, destruction of Jerusalem, or uh, he could have ended up somewhere in a church, born again filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, very, very possible, the supernatural things that were happening that day and night. But forever, that several years would testify 
to the mistake that Peter made in the passion and the hour in which God needed him the most, he began the night with a mistake by cutting off someone's ear. Now, can you imagine what it would be like at the church revival when they asked, you know, the apostle, great apostle Peter would preach, and he was going to get up and preach on one, but the head usher of the church would be Malchus sitting there with his ear cut off, saying, yeah, just tell him about love, Peter. Tell him all about love. Tell him all about love. And when they laugh at Peter, but ask yourself this question, and this is what really hit me in my life, and it helped me to understand the mercy, the absolute mercy of God. How many, and this is, this is in, in all of us, how many years have we kept that God has put back on for us? Things that we have done in the passion of a moment, things that we have said to people, uh, actions that we have done to people, and sure, I know there's forgiveness, I know there's restoration, but there needs to be this element of the supernatural where Jesus puts things back. Amen? You know, I, I like something I learned in Bible school. Pastor John Osteen taught me this, and I thought it was one of the greatest thoughts that came out of a complete Bible school experience, and that was this. We all have rooms in us, but the greatest room in all of us needs to be the room for improvement. We're all growing in the things of God. He illustrated that one statement with a testimony about uh, him going off to Bible school. He tried to Bible school, actually the Bible college, as a young uh, Baptist prospect and, 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 and getting there and, and falling in with a group of guys and, and uh, all of the, you know, the camaraderie of a group of guys getting together freshman year of college. They're all young ministers full of the zeal of God. And they, they had a, a, a young man that came, and he said he kind of stood off from them. And, and as he stood off from them, uh, you know, uh, everyone's lost somebody to try to be friendly, but he was just kind of very insecure. And he wore the same, had a beautiful suit, because what else said he had the most beautiful suit you'd ever seen. And the first day of school, he's wearing that suit. And the second day of school, he's wearing that suit. And the third day of school, he's wearing that suit. And the fourth day of school, he's wearing that suit. He said, and that, that happened, he said, six months went by, guy wore that suit every day, and of course, what would happen with the suit that threadbare and worn? And uh, he said, the, the group of uh, young men that he had wanted began to make fun of this young man. And he said, uh, uh, as the school year progressed into the spring of the year, the Baptist churches in the area began to call on the, on the school to send the young preachers to come preach in their churches. And he was riding a bus to go preach on a Sunday morning at a, at a church, and there this young man sat on the bus. And he went and he sat down and said, I want you to sit down next to him. And he said, I began to talk to him, and I began to, the first thing I asked him is, why do you wear the same suit over there? Why do you want to wear the same suit clothes? And the second question he said, he asked, he said, where are you going? He said, the man began to cry, the young man began to weep. He said, my parents were very poor, and they saved their whole life to send me to, 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 to Bible college, to Bible school, because I, I told them very young in my life that I felt like I was calling them. He said, they only had the money for one suit of clothes. And he said, now this suit just wore out, and I'm embarrassed to wear it, so I'm going home. And he said, Brother Osteen, he said this, and tears began to roll down Brother Osteen's cheek. And he said to himself, he said, I was so unable to say anything that would help him. He said, and I saw this deficit in me being reflected by the need of his life. And he said, this was an event, this was a watershed event in my life. 
He said, I could do nothing to help him, nothing to encourage him because I had nothing in me that would. And he said, I made a vow to God right then and there that I would never let this happen in my life again. That I would never be insensitive. That I would never allow myself to fall into people that made fun of some, fall in with people that made fun of somebody else in their, in their problems or in that, situ- uh, in that type of a situation. And he said, for years I grieved over that. And it wasn't until I was baptized in the Holy Ghost that God healed me from All of us can go back in our lives and think of, of things that we've done that we've got such regret over. We think, why? Why did I do that? Why did I cut that in? It testifies against me. It testifies against my own testimony of faith. And many times these mistakes were not the mistakes that we made when we were sinners and undone and without God, because the remission of sin removes that guilt. That guilt's not there. If you're suffering with guilt over your past, then get saved and understand what salvation is. And salvation is the complete eradication of your own life and the presentation of a new life to you. That's what it is. So there should be, but then we serve God. I never ever made mistakes serving God. It seems like many times that's where we make the most mistakes. But in the midst of it, God is a merciful God. God knows we still have to deal with flesh. God knows we still have problems with our minds. And God knows, especially for our generation and for this season which we're living in, that the earth has turned into a pressure cooker. And there is an unseen pressure upon this world that was not there a year and a half ago. And that pressure has increased exponentially and continues to increase. So there's a story, and I'll end with this. Lord Jesus Christ walked into the temple. The temple had been reduced to a place of commerce. Even the priesthood had been corrupted. According to the law, the Levitical law, you had to be a Levite. You could not be of any other tribe. You had to be a Levite to be a part of the priesthood. The Levites were the only tribe that was not given any inheritance in Israel because God was their inheritance. Amen? Therefore, they were the keepers of the house of God. They were the keepers of the holy of holies. They were the protectors of the ordinances of God. And they were the ones that approached God every year with the sacrifice of blood for the sins of the people. Amen? So you've got to understand that, 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 that this priesthood was an established reality in Israel. And now all these years later when Jesus walks on the sea, it's corrupted. No matter what time you're in, if you have enough money, you can become a priest. You can join the Sanhedrin like you join a, a, a political party. So, so it had lost everything about it that was righteous, that was sanctified, and that was holy, even to the point that the sacrifices of the offerings which you're supposed to bring for certain things into the temple, which you're supposed to get, was supplied for them through timers in the temple. Amen? So you got to understand, this thing in one life. So Jesus came in, and he took a whip. And the Bible says, he cleansed the temple. I said, he cleansed the temple. But then after he cleansed the temple, the Bible says, then came unto him the heart, the withered, the blind, and he healed them there. Where? In the place in which he had cleansed. 
And I'm going to tell you, what's going on in the church today, and what's going on in Ireland church, is God is cleansing our temples. He's cleaning us up so that what? So that the heart, the lame, the withered, the blind, the addicted, the afflicted, the fearful, the religious, the proud, the rich, the poor, every person in this area will have an opportunity, their best opportunity, to hear the Word of God and see. That's God. Now, we are living in a time. I saw him as the end of the richest men in the world. He was worth, I don't know how many billion. Man was interviewing all these different questions about political persuasion, social trends. Let me ask him this question. I mean, just stone face. You believe in God? And you can always tell when something comes out of someone's spirit because there's immediate response. The question came, you believe in God? I mean, God said, no. He said, no, I do not believe in God. And so the guy just kind of went on with his question, you know, about things, political terms, things like that, things he does with his money. And I thought to myself, now here is one of the richest men in the world, who all things being equal, some type of grace has come upon his life to give him this type of comfort and work. And he does not see God in it. He does not see God in it at all. As a matter of fact, just the opposite, he doesn't even believe in them. Now, we must realize that Christianity itself has become a business. The business of Christianity, you know all the facets of Christian music, major industry. Uh, church building and construction, major industry. Uh, there are seminars, people pay up to $45,000, pastors pay $45,000 to go learn how to, quote, have church, quote, be a church. I thought Jesus said he'd go to church. I just thought and just read that in the Bible somewhere and just to believe it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so there comes a point, and we don't realize, church, and this is the point I want to make and then we'll close. We don't realize that all of the stress and pressure that this whole world is under, God doesn't want us under. And just the opposite, now listen to me, you're going to have to hear this this morning. Just the opposite, he doesn't want us just to be able to survive this pressure. He wants us to create our own pressure. Now, you missed it now. Let me try that again. I said, he wants us to apply our own pressure. You say, what do you mean? There are pressures that the Word of God and the Spirit of God will put. You say, well, how, do you, how, do you, how can you say that? Here's Peter. He chants out the old man. Then he, then he, that doesn't heal him. That doesn't fix him. Then he goes into denies Jesus three times. You talk about disqualifying. I mean, this is not good stuff material. <laughs> we don't want him for the weekend revival. Amen. I mean, he might bring a knife with him. We'd all be in trouble. Then he denies Jesus three times. I don't know. The Bible says he swore an oath and a curse to himself, which means he said this, let me be cursed if I knew him. That's pretty serious. Amen. But, just a few days later, on a beach, the Sea of Galilee, Jesus dealt with that denial three times. 
let me just say it like this. For the second time, he cleansed the temple. He cleansed the temple. Except he did it personally for Peter. He cleansed that temple, and then on the day of Pentecost, who got the nod to preach the nod? I would have John. I mean, come on, I mean, all things being equal, John never betrayed. But he looked down off the cross and said, Did John take care of my mother? Wouldn't you figure that uh, the person you entrusted your own mother to, you would trust it to preach the inaugural message of the church? Well, what about Joseph and Arimathea? Those unashamedly in front of the, in front of Pilate, and begs the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, come on, we got, we got some candidates here who got some character. But more than character, God wants cleansing. Because out of cleansing comes character. And there many times needs to be continual, not on my own life, in my own life, continual adjustments where I judge myself and say, okay, Lord, if I cut off any years, if I've done anything that's going to inhibit me from being the cleansed temple that you want me to be, so that wherever I go, whatever I can do, I can, I can be like our sister over here and hear the word of God. We have been married maybe five or six years and and uh, I had been traveling so much, we'd been so busy. So we took a weekend off. We took a weekend off. Uh, we had a little boat we bought, and, and so we loaded it up. And I remember in our driveway, we lived over on 39th Street, I remember very distinctly getting the, 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 the bungee cords and strapping down the ice chest in this boat because I knew we would be on the highway, and I didn't want my ice chest to flip out, you know. And so I had them all, all bungee corded down, and we'd been on the highway for, we'd been, when we left, it was a, it was a Sunday morning, we left, and we could start praying the Holy Ghost, so we were going to be in church, which is half church. So we're praying, and we're worshiping God, we've been about an hour, maybe an hour, 15, 20 minutes, and we're making a turn, right there as you go toward Mount Agoda, and you turn to go back to Palacios, there's a little town called Wadsworth, and there's a little church on the corner called, uh, called Abundant Life. Abundant life was the name of the church. And so we're going around the corner, and I had slowed down to about 20 miles an hour. And as I'm rounding the corner, I look in my rearview mirror, and all of my eyes just at one time flip upside down and come right back down in the middle. Well, that's impossible. There's no wind blowing. I'm going, am I telling the truth? I said, what in the world just happened? I, told, I start pulling over, and as I pull over, the Spirit of God, I'm standing in a pulpit. Preaching a meeting with a suit and tie, because we always used to wear suit and ties back then. The anointing of God comes on me, and then the Lord speaks to me and says, Go in that church and pass this out to the pastor. I got on a hat that's got an Indian on the front. I got on a shirt that says Hobie on the front. I got on a pair of surfing bags, and I got on a pair of flip flops. And I looked at her, I said, I guess I'm going to have to obey God. And she's like, what are you going to do? So I, I got out, I walked up that parking lot, walked into that church, I stepped in there, and they're closing the service. The pastor's standing here, closing the service. And this thought came to my mind. I never let some idiot do that in my church. I was a pastor back then, but I thought, you know, people like that come in, and we got guys that help you out the door, you know. After somebody walked in at the end of the service. So I walked in and I stood there and I was like, what in the world am I going to do? There's an usher here and an usher there. So, you know, there's always a point. So I asked the usher, I said, 
as the pastor, he assists at when he finishes prayer, he just took me up there, and he just, he just ran there and took me up there, waiting for the pastor to pray. And said, that's it, I know I'm standing in front of the whole church. And I hit with an Indian on me. I'm going, oh my God. So I reach out and I lay my hands on the pastor's and I said, I said, I said, you don't know me. And the pastor said, I yes, I do. He said, I heard you're a camp meeting in a month. Well, make things a little better. So I tried to explain to him, we're going fishing, we've been praying, you know, and, I, and it's coming out like this. <laughs> you know, you can't even talk because you're like, what am I doing? So as he's doing this, I reach over and lay my hands on his legs and she goes, boom, and hits the ground. I said, well, and then I laid hands on him and God gave him a word. And it was the very thing they were believing God for to buy a piece of land to move the church to another location. And God confirmed it and, and literally did everything he said he was going to do in that prophecy because I checked up on it a couple of years later. But I had to obey God. I had to obey God. You say, what? Well, you must be available at any point of time in your life so that God can use you and God will put back on ears, He'll restore your life, He'll do whatever you need Him to do to get you to the place where you can hear His voice. So when He says to give $600 and go back and help somebody, you say, well, what if I miss it? You will. You will miss it. I remember I was speaking when I was in Bible school. I was speaking. I've been praying all day. You know, you've been to Lakewood Bible Institute and all this kind of stuff. And this is back in the early 80s when I was really, really just a powerful presence at that church. So I thought to myself, I'm just going to take the phone and I'm going to start calling some people and asking if they know Jesus. Because we're asking to call them. look at me so hurry, like you never been anything like that. So the phone starts ringing on the guy in the other room and says, Hello? And I said, you don't know me, but I'm a Bible school student. I was just sitting here studying the Word, and, 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 and I just bounced your number up, and I want to talk to you about this. He said, you blankety blank blank. Get off my blankety blank phone, and don't you ever call this blankety blank number again. He said, hmm, okay. <laughs> so we miss it. Amen. But listen, things in your life, that you compromise things that you do, you feel like you've made mistakes, especially if your adversary beats you up over that on a continual basis. Because I'm telling you, every one of us missed that. Every one of us has made mistakes. But thank God, according to God, according to the letters John wrote to the church, that is one of the reasons the blood of Jesus is on the mercy seat is for us, the children of God. Because he is faithful to cleanse us from all sin and unrighteousness. And listen, he restored Peter back to the place that God always had for him. He was the apostle of faith. He was the apostle called to go to the Gentiles. He was the apostle that God used to initiate the first message ever preached to the church. Which means he was not disqualified. I thought with that, Probably more than anything else, coming back to the Lord after being away from the Lord for 12 years, I fought with the subject of disqualification more than I fought anything else. And one day, the Lord spoke to me very tenderly in my spirit. He said this. He said, you are not disqualified. 
He said, I have qualified you for everything I've called you to do. And you need to tell the people, when you go out and stand in front of them, you need to tell every person you tell, every person you preach to, you need to tell them they're qualified. Then he said this, the devil cannot disqualify you. The devil cannot disqualify you. But what the devil is trying to do is to get you to disqualify yourself. And it is our own mistakes we make, especially if there are things in our lives tend to be repentant. You ever had anything repentant that you thought, I've got a handle on this, and then like a month later, you, you walk right into the weakness of it again. You think, Listen, it does not matter what you have to fight. You cannot quit and you cannot give up on your righteousness. Because it is stronger than iniquity, it is stronger than sin, and no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've had to face, God wants to break off any kind of victim mentality. He wants to break off any kind of this, this kind of this, 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 this mousy thing that I've been through so much. You see so many people like that because there's been a toxicity in the kingdom of God for several years over many subjects. Prosperity is one Because a lot of people messed up when it came to prosperity. They went money crazy. We don't throw the baby out of the bath. We gotta have money to preach the gospel. Amen. But there is a lot of people today that have just went and disqualified themselves. The past, you know, I, I say back in the seventies, you know, I've seen it all, been there, done that, been good here. Listen, church, we've never been this way before. We've never had a path on this down this path. This is a path that the church has been destined for for two thousand years. Let me say that again. This is a path that the church has been destined for for 2,000 years. And God wants you. Now listen to me very carefully. I don't care if you served God for 50 years or you just got saved two weeks ago. God wants you in this age and in this season operating in the full potential of everything that God has placed in your life. Every motivational gift, every spiritual gift, any ministry gift that you may have, everything that God has downloaded and just think about the knowledge you have. Listen, if you could go back 50 years ago, just with the knowledge you have, you would be the most intelligent person when it came to spiritual things on this planet. That's how much the Word of God has grown in 50 years. We know I'm reading a book. I brought my brother brought me a, a, a book about the good ones. I've been reading about it, reading the testimonies, just revival. But I remember all of them, and I remember the revelation we have today is so much greater than the revelation they had back then. But my God, God moved so powerfully. God moved so, so supernaturally. And the reason was is people kept themselves clean. And nothing can cleanse you like the blood. No matter what you've done, no matter how you've done it, it does not matter. You know, I've cut off an ear, made a mistake, that another church, another minister, I don't know. It does not know. You just allow the hand of Jesus not to be bound over you. Don't tie his hands. His hands were tied, but I'm telling you, when he came out of that grave, his hands were loose. And his hands are not tied to a gene anymore. He can pick up any old ear out of your past, out of your regret, any old ear out of everything that's going on in your life, and he can put it right back on it. I guarantee you, that ear was put back on, it was like it never happened. You say, what? Because it was put back on. Oh, but he was traumatized. He had miracles his whole life. From then on, from the day that he went to, from that day to the day he went to his grave, he had the testimony of that ear. Thank God, Jesus. I didn't know that much about him, but man, he picked that thing up, dusted it off, and stuck it right back on my head. 
And it's been there ever since. Sometimes we need God to touch our ears so we can hear the Word, hear the Spirit of God. And let me just say this. This is what the Lord put on my heart for this morning. God doesn't want you living in condemnation and guilt. And let me tell you what condemnation and guilt is. And please don't get mad at me, but I'm trying to help you. Condemnation and guilt is a sign of, it's a sign of ignorance, of not knowing. You say, what do you mean? It's the enemy that comes in the mistakes of your life and brings condemnation. God doesn't condemn you. He convicts you. You say, what, what is the difference? There's a gentleness about God. And you know you're wrong from the Spirit, not from the flesh. You know, I've dealt with people for years. A lot of people are only repentant because they're caught. Let me say that again. A lot of people are only repentant because they're caught. But you shouldn't wait till you're caught. Because that's, that's not the right time. Be repentant now. Be delivered now. Whatever it is that may inhibit you, hold you back, keep you from going with everything. That's the word they used to use. I don't like it, but they used to say it very well. Gusto. With all the gusto. I remember the gusto. Good. Nobody raised their hand. Thank God. <laughs> Amen. He wants you serving God with all the full potential. If everyone, if anyone, is ever going to be a Christian on this earth, and prove to the earth that God is real. It's us. Because in reality, we're living at a time in which God is going to eventually reveal Himself in such a way that every person that said there is no God and every person that did not bow their knee will bow their knee to Jesus. The thing you've got to do is you've got to make sure you do it on this side. On this side of eternity, you say yes to Jesus Christ and you that are born again, that are filled with the Holy Ghost, you will not live a mistake-free life. You're going to go through life with denials and cut-off ears and everything else you can think of, but in the midst of it, God will restore you no matter what you've done, no matter how it happened, no matter how it went down, but you have to have the heart to walk away from it. I don't know this by the Word, but I'm going to ask Peter this when I get to heaven. Because I know by my spirit it's true. I guarantee you, after Jesus put that ear back on Malchus, Peter threw that sword away. I bet you he threw that sword away. You say, why? It got him in trouble. What is it that you need to throw away? What is it that gets you in trouble? What is it, what is it that, that, that every time it seems like your faith is almost like, boom, when it comes up, down? And that repeat of a weakness, of an insecurity, or an iniquity that lies resident in your flesh and your mind. And all of a sudden, all of that momentum you had in the spirit, uh, the, the church revival on the weekend, or the, or the fall harvest, or whatever it was that you came out of, and you said, Don't see my God, and my miracle, and then all of a sudden, man, did it again. Well, thank God. He's not just a patient God. Patience comes from Him. And He will wait on you. And He will work with you. And He will do everything He needs to do if you just won't quit. If you just won't give up and say, well, this thing's bigger than me. It may be bigger than you, but it's not bigger than what's on the inside of you. 
and you can feel like, Pastor, I'm just so guilty, I'm so guilty. It does not matter. You need to fall into the arms of Jesus. His hands aren't bound towards you. And you need to make a decision. I'm not going through the rest of my life with the trauma of one problem or one incident or one situation. I'm going to be free, and I guarantee you, God will meet you at your place of need and set you free. Father, we worship you this morning. I bind every foul spirit of guilt and unbelief that would try to torment God's people. And Father, I thank you for every person in here right now that if there's something in their lives, something that has happened, some place they thought in their life they were really going to stand up and serve God that ended in a mistake. Something in their life in which they thought, this is something that God will really use me in. It just didn't happen that way. Thank you, Father, for restoration of dreams. Restoration of vision. And Father, I thank you that every person here dealing with doubt, dealing with condemnation, or dealing with guilt. I thank you that this morning a seed is planted into their heart that will break the stronghold of that. The hands of Jesus will not be bound to them anymore. We thank you for that. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to do an altar call where people come up here. But I want to do this just to give you an opportunity to act in faith. If you're here today, and that's you, with nobody looking around, everybody's eyes closed, everybody's heads bowed, eyes in close, to reverence to people around you, head bowed in reverence to God. If you say, Pastor, yeah, there's something like that in my life. I've got one of those cut-off ears. I really need put back. Because it truly testifies to my ignorance. It testifies to my inability to serve God. It testifies and it points out, I don't want it in my life anymore. I've got good news. Jesus is the one that can remove it from me. By a simple act of faith, nobody looking around but me. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm going to begin the process this week. This morning, that's coming out of my life in Jesus' name. If that's you, lift your hand. Real quick, put it back down. Praise God. That's great. That's good. Amen, amen. Everybody stand if you will. Hallelujah. Thank God for your response. Everybody pray this out loud. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I'm so imperfect, but you are so perfect. And I thank you for your hand of restoration and deliverance. I will not be bound by an incident of doubt or unbelief that has affected my walk of faith. But today, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, take those healing hands and put that ear back for me. Put it back, put that back on the mistake that I made. And I thank you, Lord, that your restoration in my life will be complete. I refuse to live in doubt and unbelief. I refuse to live in guilt and condemnation. Right now, my heart is focused on the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, which cleanses me from all sin and all unrighteousness. So today, I declare the process of the cleansing of the temple begins in my life 
And I thank you, Lord. As I am cleansed, then comes to me the hawk, the lame, the withered, those that are undone, those that are undone. And my voice shall resonate your word unto them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. The weight of this lifts off of me now in Jesus' name. Say it again. The weight of this lifts off of me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, look at the most the process. This is all Jesus. I said, this is all Jesus. Jesus does everything. He heals the ear. Then he goes to the he goes to the beach where they're at after r- rising from the dead, and gives them the biggest catch of fish they ever know. Then he goes over and deals gently with Peter. Peter, do you like? He knows this. He didn't ask this. Why did you do it? That's not Jesus. He knows why you did it. He knows every human being on the planet that, 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 that is a meditation of his spirit. We still have to do it first and foremost. Why don't you do it? Why don't you, why don't you do it now? Didn't you see the miracles? You got out of the boat and walked in the water. You're the least, you're the least like the one that should have done it. Why don't you do it? Didn't do it. What'd you say? You love me? It all goes back to that. You love me? You love me? You love me? He mentioned, you love me? You know, you love See, what it is, he's just like us. You cut off an ear, you deny it. Now you got something in your hand. Now you got something in your hand. This is it. Here it is, God. Here it is, right here. This is it. So I can't do it. And here it is. This happened eight years ago, see? There it is, Lord. I did it. Eight years. See, that's, that's why I can't do it. I'm disqualified myself. That's why. Why can't go on the mission field? Why can't stay in one church for too long? That's why. That's why I can't. You know, I do read the Bible. I that's why I really want to. So here it is. Here it is. So we hold up our denial. We hold it up, and we say to God, "This is why we can't do it." Thinking that He's going to accept it. So Peter was good. Amen. But for every time Peter denied Jesus, Jesus made it an issue. Do you love me? Well, do you love me? Well, do you love me? Which is such an easy question to ask, but it's one you can't ask because you know who you're talking to. Amen. And so, all three denials were annihilated by the love of God, ministered to Peter, and and and, and Jesus was just taking his fingers and just pulling loose. Just climb on him loose from that demand. Climb on him loose from that fear. Just climb on him loose so that so you can use it. Now, think of this. Why did, why did God use it? Why did God use Peter on the day of Pentecost? Because everybody knew. Everybody in Jerusalem. Did you hear what Peter did? He's the one that always pushing people around. He's the one that always, always, I mean, he's the, he's, he's, he's the one that seemed to be the, the most dedicated. He was always protecting Jesus, keeping people alive. But did you hear? When he needed him most, he denied three times. So now he's standing up and he's preaching. The most, one of the most powerful messages in the New Testament. 
This is that. And I spoke about a prophet John. He began to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the point that the crowd began to cry, What must we do to be saved? He got them all saved, 3,000, which is an amazing phenomenon. You say, Why? Because 3,800 years later, the law was given, and 3,000 died instantly when the law was given. And 3,800 to 3,800 years later, he gives the law the spirit of life in Christ, and 3,000 get saved. But against the backdrop of the denials, the call fear, the fishermen, everybody knew that's not Peter. Everybody knew that's not Peter. That's not Peter. Peter can't do that. God can do it. 3,000. Convince 3,000. Then 5,000 after that. God wants your life to be the same. Against the backdrop of everything, over all your mistakes, everything you've done, and when you step out into the plan of God, everybody knows that's God. I wanted to talk to that guy after they gave him the money and everybody cleared it and walked up to say, walked up to say, oh, you think that was God? Perfect strangers drying up your filling station? You're at the bottom of a barrel? They pay off your debts? I'm going to stop at some filling stations and put my hood up for you. <laughs> That's a great testimony, ain't it? Why did that happen? Why did Why did it not you? You you gotta answer the question. Why didn't God use me? Good question. Why didn't God use me? He wants to use me. Amen. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, such a blessing, these great testimonies, your powerful presence. Lord, as we leave, we thank you for your protection and safety upon us. Join us back tonight. At prayer at 6 o'clock, service at 7. Thank you, Father. You'll be with us this afternoon. Your protection, your safety, no evil befalls us, no plague and not a blame. Thank you, Father, that the traffic cooperates with our meeting tonight. Thank you, Father, that there's not a gridlock on the island. That everybody's able to get to the service this evening. We declare it out in the name of Jesus. And thank you, Father, for a glorious time as we continue in our seeking you, Father. The Cornelius project of Island Church. We devout, we fear you with our all our household. We give and we pray. We trust you for a visitation of the Spirit like never before. In Jesus' name, everyone says,